This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. E-cigs don't burn tobacco leaves, and they come in lots of flavors. That's what tobacco companies tell you. Here are three things tobacco companies don't say. One, many teens don't know their flavored e-cigs have nicotine. Two, nicotine is a poison that can rewire the teen brain. Three, 80% of kids who tried vaping did it because of the flavors. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's largest mortgage lender. Spring is prime home buying season. So if you're thinking about buying a home, right now is the time to lock a low rate, which can save you money every month on your new mortgage. With our exclusive Rate Shield approval, the low rate you lock today is protected for up to 90 days while you shop for your new home. With a Rate Shield approval, if rates go up, your low rate stays locked. But if rates go down, you get that new, even lower rate. Either way, you win. Talk to us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com to take advantage. Here's another great reason to work with us. For a record nine years in a row, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. Again, to lock in today's low mortgage interest rate and get the security of our exclusive rate shield approval, call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. For J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Get up and do my thing. I want to get into it, man. You know, like I, you know, I'm the man, don't you? Can I count it off? One, two, three, four. You're listening to the Church Politics Podcast with Michael Ware and Justin Gibney, where you can get in-depth political analysis from a Christian worldview. Transcend partisanship and political ideology with us as we seek true discipleship in the public square. Welcome to the Church Politics Podcast with Michael Ware and Justin Gibney, brought to you by the AND Campaign and the Crux and the Call. Justin, uh, another week. Uh, how, how are you doing? How are you feeling? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, obviously, I've been watching Game of Thrones, and so that has this last episode was pretty interesting, man. A lot of back and forth, a lot of power moves about to happen. Uh, but 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 all in all, it's been good. I think a lot of what's happening in Game of Thrones might even reflect what's going on uh, in this 2020 race. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's getting more surreal, and I I don't know whether that's uh, Game of Thrones or 2020. But we're gonna talk a bit. You know, I, I guess the one difference is with 2020, they keep adding new characters, and on Game of Thrones, we're seeing them yeah. killed off. So, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so, so that's that's one distinction. And let's let's start right there. I think since the last time we talked about 2020, uh, Joe Biden, uh, former vi- Vice President Joe Biden, has officially jumped uh, into the race. Uh, Senator Michael Bennett from Colorado has jumped uh, has jumped in, and there were reports last week. We'll we'll see if they were true or not. That uh, a New York City Mayor Bill De Blasio might be jumping in uh, as well, and so we've had quite a few contenders jump in. Uh, of course, we saw 
uh, you know, several weeks ago, Pete Buttigieg, the mayor of Indiana, have a uh, of South Bend, Indiana, have a bit of a boost in the polls. It sounds seems like he's maybe dropping back down to earth, uh, and we'll we'll have to find if he could get a second wind or not. Uh, and Elizabeth Warren is picking up some speed, I think, in large part due to what we've discussed on this show, which is sort of her relentless focus on policy and ideas and putting out plans, which, uh, you know, is pretty unique in this race, though, though not completely. But Justin, let's start with sort of the, the, the newer uh, entrance to the, to the race, principally Joe Biden. He is now, it was real close, uh, the public polling between him and Bernie in the top two slots before uh, Biden jumped in. Now, some of the recent polls have him up 20, 25 points. Do you think Joe Biden's going to run away with this thing? Or do you think it's just an initial post-announcement uh, a bump and, and he's got a long path ahead of him? I don't think he's going to run away with it. Uh, I do think he's getting a little bit of a bump, but I but from talking to people and this is just, you know, I don't have any any data to back this up. But in talking to people, a lot of folks feel very comfortable with Joe Biden. And I, I almost feel like the more people that jump into this race, the more comfortable, the more people will want to go with somebody <laughs> they're comfortable with mm. because candidates are going to have to do a lot to be seen and heard. While Biden, you kind of already know who he is, you know what he's about, and people really believe that he's steady enough to beat Trump. Yeah. Uh, so he may not have to do some of the uh, jumping through some of the hoops that some of these other candidates might have to do, and that may very well serve him well. A lot of people, it just seems, are very comfortable with him and not so sure about a lot of the other candidates. But we'll, we'll have to see. The thing about Joe Biden that we all know is that he is – uh, he can make a mistake out there. So he gets <laughs> he's easy going and, and uh, you know, he talks to people and connects with them. But he is prone to making some of those mistakes that I know would just drive any campaign ma manager crazy. So you're not going to get through this uh, election season or this primary without seeing some major mistakes from Joe Biden. I would guess. Will it be enough? Is he one of those guys who people say, ah, it's just Joe and that's just the way it is? That may be the case. And if so, he's in a good position. But I be I'm, I'm hesitant to say he's going to run away with anything this is a marathon and we got a ways to go yeah absolutely i i agree with that i i do think um i, I was impressed with uh the message of his announcement I, th I think you know it's it's exactly right to try and uh put yourself for uh forward to defeat trump and, and to treat him as an aberration mm -hmm. uh, to basically send the message that if if you elect me We'll, we'll turn the page on this sort of, especially for Democratic primary voters, you know, this this dark, you know, chapter in American history. And we'll continue with w what we thought we had started with Obama and, you know, his his obvious close ties to the the Obama administration and to Obama himself uh, partnered with. Yeah, that fact that he's been a, a, a longstanding leader in the Democratic Party for good and for ill I think will give folks a sense of comfort. The the issue is going to come is when all sites are trained on him, and we're already starting to see some of that. But I, I was seeing folks pulling up video clips from you know five, ten, fifteen years ago. One was circulating on Twitter. He, he uh, Biden was doing an event with uh, Walter Mondale at some uh, university, and and Biden said, you know, so it's it's vice vice president. 
And Biden says, you know, I actually, you know, you know, got along with Dick Cheney personally. And of course, you know, that clip was pulled out. You know, Biden praises Dick Cheney. Can we really have someone like this as the leader of the Democratic Party? And this is only the beginning. I think we're going to see a whole treasure trove of opposition research unloaded, particularly on social media. And and this this primary is going to be a real test of whether there's really been a turn in how presidential primaries are carried out, whether it's really about retail politics, whether it's really about, you know, whether you're able to meet and win over voters in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, or if the presidential primary has become a national media-driven uh, sort of contest. And, and Biden's candidacy is almost perfectly positioned to to test that idea. Yeah. And, and again, if I were him, I'd almost be inviting other candidates to join because the more people join, the more obscure some of the lower candidates become and someone like Biden begins to stand out even more. Uh, so it's, it's something we should be watching. He's in a good position, but there's a long race to go. Uh, people like Elizabeth Warren, who are coming up with good policy, well, coming up with a lot of policy that people are looking at, whether you agree with it or not. I don't agree with all of right. it, but she is putting thoughtful is probably a better word policy out there that people need to uh, to be paying attention to. So this this is mm-hmm. going to be an interesting race. One of the things that stuck out to me in conversations about Biden was that if Biden is elected, some people think you automatically regain uh, the the nation's status on a, the international stage, right? Mm. Uh, that right, is a right. strong narrative, and it, and it and it gives the why are you running? It gives that answer, right? Where a lot yes, of folks are yeah. still struggling to get that answer. Now, I'll say this: former Colorado Governor uh, John Hickenlooper announced, as you mentioned, he announced that he's entering the race, and I thought the way that he announced was interesting for a few reasons. So, in a Wall Street Journal op-ed. Uh, that he entitled. This is an op-ed that he wrote. It was entitled, I'm running to save capitalism. Um, now John Hickenlooper is a, obviously a Democrat. And it's interesting for two reasons, because number one, it's in the Wall Street Journal, right? So a lot of times people would tend to think that that's an economic journal that leans to the right a bit, but he was really maybe focused on a certain group and targeting it. And again, it's another person who's coming out saying, I know why I'm running. Uh, it, it seems that he has said, hey, some of these folks on in the Democratic Party have gone too far left. They're talking about all this socialism. I am not that. I have a targeted group I'm, I'm focusing on. And it's it's something that helps him stick out a bit. I, I still think he is going to have a lot of trouble moving forward. But it's a it's a message that may resonate with some. I don't know if it's enough, but but it's a it's a very clear message. Yeah. And just before we close out the segment, I'll point people to someone else, uh, another candidate I mentioned from Colorado. So you talked about the state's governor, Um, uh, the state, one of the states, the United States senators, Michael Bennett, jumped in. Uh, You know, I'm a fan of of his. He is someone who has partnered uh, bold policy ideas with a bipartisan uh, civil disposition, which is to say, uh, you look at his his policy ideas, including a plan that would cut child poverty by 40%, according to to uh, some who have studied the plan, um, with uh, an idea that political leadership has to be aiming towards unity to the to the uh, maximum extent possible, is is 
intriguing to me. So it's a it's a big race. I think the the easy reaction when Michael Bennett jumped in was like, oh, come on, another one, mm-hmm. uh, another candidate. But he's someone with the policy chops, like a Warren, like a Klobuchar, like a Booker, uh, who who has real ideas that they're running on. And I, I, it'll be worth paying attention to see if he's able to uh, to break through some of the noise. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, check him out. And, and some of you may be wondering, like, some of these candidates, you say, well, why are they jumping into the race? Because there have been some pretty obscure people who you're like, uh, who was it in California that just jumped in? I can't even remember his name. I think he won one oh, was a congressman. Yeah. I, I, yeah, Eric Swalls. Yeah, I, something I, like yeah, that. Yeah, and, yeah. and you just wonder, like, how is it that they jump in? And I've always thought that's, that the psychology of an elected official or a candidate is very interesting. Because you have people who are amb- obviously ambitious, who are confident, and much like, and I'm going to throw this Game of Thrones out there again, much like Daenerys from Game of Thrones, see themselves as having a certain destiny of leadership. Right. So where a lot of people would say, why are you running? What are you doing? There's usually some type of leadership vision there that kind of gets them through all the criticism and all the things you go through in running a campaign. So a lot of times the people who run for these major positions and jump out there when you think they don't they don't have a chance actually see things a little bit differently. Sometimes they have people behind them who are encouraging them to do it. And once you get bit by the bug to run for office. It is hard to stop. And the more ambitious you are, the higher and higher you want to go as far as your office. So there is an interesting psychology that as someone who's uh, done some campaign management and things of that, that nature that you always have to deal with and manage within itself. But that's part of the reason why you see some of the folks jumping into the campaign who you would think you don't have a chance. What are you thinking? Well, it's a different type of mentality, a different thought process that we see with a lot of these candidates. And the and not to mention we're often wrong when we say who can't win. So, so sometimes it's the folks that you don't expect to win that do and they can't see it. And that always makes it hard for me when people ask me, should they run for something? I try not to say yes or no either way. It's really something they have to take a long walk with themselves and figure out. But that's what makes it hard because you never know completely how somebody's going to do. A hundred percent. And they're just hoping, you know, the successes that some of these candidates have had at every level that they've run at, you know, they're just hoping they'll continue to translate, you know, based on the information they have access to, the experiences that they've had, you know, it's hard to tell them, you know, it won't. So when you have a guy like Michael Bennett, who's winning in, you know, a somewhat purple state, uh, some people would say it's turned blue over the last, you know, four, eight years, you know, winning, you know, by, by huge margins when you have, you know, someone like Amy Klobuchar winning Minnesota, a state that I think Clinton only won by 10,000, but Klobuchar is winning it by, you know, 40 points. Right. Uh, you know, it, it, these these candidates feel like maybe I have something, maybe I have something special. Maybe I could bring together, you know, Minnesota or Colorado. Uh, maybe I could bring the country together in the same way I've, I've brought together my states. Now, national politics, as you alluded, Justin, is like, a whole other animal, and, and a lot of these candidates are gonna are gonna uh, learn that up close. All of um, them except one. All of them <laughs> except one. There can only be one uh, to rule them all. <laughs> all right, folks, uh, we're gonna take a quick break. When we get back, we're gonna talk about interesting potential partnership between. Trump White House and Congress on infrastructure uh, and some uh, uh, updates on the economy. When we get back, this is the Church Politics Podcast. 
Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for $2.99 subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara. Cold cut combo. Veggie delight. Or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just $2.99 each. Subway! Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. It's Ryobi Days at the Home Depot. Buy a Ryobi OnePlus 2-pack battery starter kit for just 99 bucks and get one of over 20 select Ryobi OnePlus tools up to an $84 value, free. The OnePlus system also fits over 125 other Ryobi tools. So now, going cordless is almost endless. Buy the battery kit, get a free tool. Ryobi Days now at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Valid through June 19th, limit one per customer while supplies last. See store for details. All right, we're back. This is the Church Politics Podcast. And just in last week, uh, after a meeting at the White House, uh, Senator Schumer uh, came out of that meeting announcing that uh, there appeared to be an agreement uh, with the White House uh, on an investment of $2 trillion for an infrastructure plan. Now, as we've discussed uh, on the show, infrastructure has been looming since Trump was elected. This was sort of the one of the few ideas that leaders in both parties said, this is something we could compromise on. Uh, there was the infamous infrastructure week at the White House that uh, ended up being focused on just about anything but infrastructure, but a whole lot of controversies and, and nonsense. Uh, but now there's this this meeting, the idea that there might be a, a infrastructure deal. Now we've learned with these White House meetings, you know, you kind of have to wait and, and see if if the words actually result in some real action. But if it went through, it would be a very good thing for the country. Uh, Our our country could certainly use uh, a sizable investment in infrastructure as a matter of resilience, as a matter of productivity. But the big question is whether, especially with a a looming presidential election, whether either side will want to give, give the other side the ability to say that uh, that something big was done ahead of the election. Uh, Justin, were you optimistic uh, of hearing about this meeting? And do you think that, that Congress and the White House should should come together and, and get an infrastructure uh, bill signed? Of course I do. I, th- I think they should come together. They should do their jobs and get this done. Uh, as you mentioned, this is a, a project, a huge infrastructure plan that they're trying to put together to the tune of about one to two trillion dollars. Uh, and that's really those numbers are really all they've agreed on. And that's why I'm not so optimistic this will happen, although I, I encourage it. Now, again, many of you know that I'm, I'm big on infrastructure. I've done a lot of work in the infrastructure space. And I just want to repeat something that I've said before, just so body, everybody understands what this is. Your infrastructure is the skeleton, basically, of the country. It's our roads, it's our pipes, our bridges, dams, waterways, and so on. Um, Building on top of bad infrastructure is not a good idea, not only because of safety concerns, but it also can negatively affect the economy, right? So the U.S. has a huge infrastructure backlog, 
meaning that things that were supposed to only be used for about 20 years sometimes are being used for 30 and 40 years. And again, that is hazardous. That's not good for safety, um, safety concerns. Now, ideally, when you're talking about a big infrastructure plan like this, uh, not only are you fixing broken things that need to be fixed for the reasons that I just mentioned, but you're also increasing jobs, right? In, especially in construction, which can give the economy a boost. Those are really good things, but also reasons to what you alluded to, Michael, that one side or the other may not want to give them a victory. It's hard to see the Democrats wanting to give Trump a victory like that, although they should because it's for the best of, of the country. But unfortunately, folks are probably thinking about 2020 uh, and it's just hard to see this getting done. The big question is, as I said, they agreed on the arrange for the amount of how much they would spend. What they haven't agreed on, which is probably the biggest thing, is how will they pay for it? And it's hard to see Senate Republicans going for this without something major occurring uh, and, and just catching us by surprise. Now, some have said that in order to pay for this, because that's a lot of money, that they would have to uh, raise uh, the gas tax to fund it. So you have you have a gas tax. That's one way to go about it. House Minority Leader Ke- Kevin McCarthy uh, suggested selling government land to actually fund it. And Senator Rand Paul suggested moving troops from Afghanistan, which so happens to fit in with another part of his agenda. But those have been some of the suggestions that people have put out there. And that's just the hard part. How do you get this done and how you fund it? Now, while I don't think government is well suited to do a lot of the things that some progressives seem to think it should do, I do think that infrastructure is very clearly something that government should be doing. And that's a responsibility of government. Now, that's not necessary to be clear, a biblical point of view. This is not something that I drew from doctrine in the Bible. But practically speaking, I think that's one area where the government should be heavily involved and and to some extent has been neglectful in that regard. Uh, You got to think if you have a bridge or something that's shut down, that affects interstate commerce, all kinds of things. And again, safety concerns. Uh, We you know, when when our roads are down, it costs people more because their cars get tore up, right? You have your tires get messed up, your suspension and so and so on. So these things do have an economic impact. I would I would be really excited if they could get something done. I'm going to stay hopeful that can it, it can happen. I'm just not super op- optimistic that it's uh, possible. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I think, you know, to, to move the conversation a bit, this is all happening within a context, an economic context of, continued strong numbers. So we saw, you know, last month's job report come out showing that the unemployment rate fell to its lowest level in half a century. There have been a hundred months of uh, straight job growth, employment growing. Uh, The economy has created more than 20 million jobs since the end of the great recession in 2009. Uh, Really uh, we've, we've seen out, uh, weekly work hours go uh, go down. We've seen uh, wage growth for the first time, which was uh, kind of which was a, a lagging sort of indicator. Uh, and they're really, according to a number of analysts, there's not anything in the numbers that would seem to suggest that we're uh, that we're going to see a downturn anytime soon. Uh, this, of course, has real life practical uh, uh, implications for for people. Uh, It 
obviously has political implications that we've as we've discussed on the show before for uh, you know Trump being able to enter the, into a 2020 campaign saying that he was elected to steward the economy and uh, the, the the numbers uh, he'll he'll say the numbers back him up there. It's fascinating to think what the economy could be doing if we had a sizable investment in infrastructure and where we'd be if that had taken place. Justin, uh, how, how do you think? I mean, we we have this conversation every every month or so as these numbers come out. Uh, how how should we be thinking about uh, the continued strength, uh, general strength of the of the economy? Of course, there are different you know. Uh, Different different factors that aren't doing as well as as we could say, but any sort of uh, non biased observer is, is looking at the general strength of the economy and saying, you know, this this looks uh, this looks pretty good. Well, we should respond to it by being excited. This is good news right. any way you look at it. I'm not going to look to an election and be upset because it might benefit somebody I don't want it to benefit. These are people going back to work, people who have been suffering and uh, people who have been out of the job market sometimes really since the downturn. Uh, so this is great news. This is families, you know, being able to to support themselves and, and so on. So we should be excited about this. Now, something that you pointed out that I think is really interesting is that when you talk about how the economy has been going, the usually when you hear those that conversation, it's countered by pointing out the fact that wages are still stagnant. But in this case, wages have actually gone up. And that is huge. That's very, very important. So we're talking about not just people being able to get jobs, but if this continues, being able to get jobs that can actually, you know, give them a living wage or whatever that are actually that's actually paying more. And that helps us out tremendously. So to get over that hump, if that continues, is extremely important. Now, as you pointed out, this how does this affect the 2020 race? We'll have to see. You know, you have guys like Hugh Hewitt, a uh, conservative commentator who said that 2020 won't even be close now because of these numbers. I certainly wouldn't go that far. But the economy will be a major part of the equation for most Americans. And if we're and if we're in the same place about a year from now, it'll definitely be a positive for Trump. Now, uh, there was a lot of talk about a recession a while ago. You pointed this out, too, that 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 talk is starting to fade. Uh, something else that's very good. And again, if we're in this position, then you see you'll 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 probably see that Dems won't be able to point to the economy as part of their, uh, you know, as part of their spiel. Um, and they'll have to reach out and start talking about other things. So maybe they'll start talking about health care. There may be a conversation about uh, education, but this certainly will impact the messaging. Now, I saw a poll by CNN that said this, that 56 percent of Americans approve of Trump's handling of the economy. 56%. That's his highest approval rating when it comes to the economy. 38% approve of his handling of health care. That's, so that's something that you may see, uh, again, Democrats pointing to, and 42% pr- approve of his handling of immigration. So any good campaign is going to look at these numbers and see what the American people are responding to, what they're upset about, and you're going to target your messaging towards those things. Something else to point out is that 42% of Americans said that uh, they had a favorable opinion of Trump, 54 with an unfavorable uh, view of Trump. So he's still upside down there, 
But there's no way that he's going to be upset about the numbers that he's seeing when it comes to the economy. And it's going to be something that Democrats and others are going to have to deal with uh, when we get to the general. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, what a reversal of implications, you know. So in 1991, 92, we had a a man as president, George H.W. Bush, who was pretty generally recognized as as a moral man, as uh, as as a statesman, uh, as a man who uh, represented the the country well in terms of his comportment, uh, and yet uh, he was defeated uh, by a Democratic campaign that said it's the economy, stupid. You know, nothing else matters other than the strength of the economy. Uh, it doesn't matter the character of the president. Doesn't matter the character of uh, of the person running against him. Uh, this is really, you know, a, a, a materialist uh, uh, presidential election, and that's that's what it should be determined on. And now we find ourselves, you know, sixteen years later in a race where the circumstances are are very different. We have a man in office who most would say does not represent the country uh, too well. His comportment isn't uh, great to say the least. And yet now it's the Republican incumbent uh, that is overseeing a, a generally thriving economy. And the question for the American voters and, and you know, I think the question for Christians will be is, uh, is all is economic stewardship, uh, the, the main thing that we expect from our president. And, and if so, uh, then it, D- Donald Trump is going to have a real, real shot <laughs> at winning this election. Uh, the question will be whether there should be a broader sort of area of concern when folks are heading to the ballot box. And what's the alternative, right? That's Who are right. the Democrats going to put up and what moral concerns do they bring? Are they, again, are they talking about, uh, uh, legalizing prostitution and all these other things? Or are they focused on things that, you know, and, and can they bring a more, uh, a better uh, way to go forward for Americans and really a, a better reputation and way of dealing with uh, the least of these? So it's going to, it's going to be interesting <laughs> yeah. if the economy, if the economy st- stays uh, going strong, that's going to make a, a much stronger case for Trump, but <laughs> there's a long way to go and many things could happen. So just keep your eyes peeled on this and, and stay informed. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's about legalizing prostitution. Stupid is is right. probably is probably not going to be a winning message when you have unemployment at three percent, uh, potentially. So I, I think that's a keen keen insight. What are Democrats bringing to the table to counter uh, to counter what's going on? Uh, Justin, we're, we're about to wrap up the episode, but I know before we start recording, we were talking about. Uh, the NBA playoffs. I know I've enjoyed watching Giannis. He had a tough first game of this this series, but he he uh, he put up 39 points uh, on Monday night, uh, and the Bucks are looking strong. I love watching them. Uh, but then, I mean, I I love your thoughts on this Rockets Warriors series that looked like it might be done pretty early, but Houston took care of their home court, uh, you know, red eyes and all. And, uh, and you know, it, it's going to be a heck of a best out of three that we're heading into now. 
Man, uh, James Harden's about his business, and I'm not a huge fan of him. Uh, he kind of quit on his team a few years ago, and I, you know, I, I kind of was like, ah, I don't like that guy. Uh, but <laughs> he is about his business. When he's hot, he is hot, and it's going to be a shootout. This is just one of those series where it's going to be a shootout, and if Golden State can't get, you know, can't get their shots right, and, in, and they're not hitting, and can't match what James, uh, with James Harden is doing, they're going to have trouble. So, but you can never count that team out of a shootout. So it's going to be a back and forth, a strong – it's tied up now, right? So it's yeah. going to be a, a strong back and forth. This is going to be a series that a lot of people are going to enjoy, and I'm, I'm going to be watching every minute of it. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. Uh, I, I'm going to enjoy it too. I will say I think like the sleeper series out of this whole thing has been, you know, Nuggets Trailblazers have, have been, you know, great games. And so who would have thought that, you know, you'd have so much fun – uh, watching those teams now, I'm not sure if either of them is going to be able to hold up against whoever emerges uh, the Warriors Rocket series. But it's been it's been a consistently exciting uh, exciting playoffs, even with you know LeBron absent, even with uh, you know some of the uh, uh, some of the bigger players not being in the series. Uh, I've I've enjoyed I've enjoyed this year, but. Uh, Likewise, it has been it has been really uh, enjoyable, even some of those even some of those games and series that we wouldn't think. So I hope this continues. And uh, as we go into the summer, man, we just have some good basketball coming. Yeah. All right. Well, that's about it for the Church Politics podcast. Uh, It's been uh, great doing this episode, talking with you, Justin. Uh, As always, a reminder, please hit us up on Twitter iTunes review. We just love to know what you're thinking. We'd love to be able to answer your questions on the podcast. And so always feel free to reach out and hit us up. Justin, any any closing words for this episode? No, you hit it, man. If you enjoy this content, just support us. You can go to the andcampaign.org and, and support financially, or you can just spread our messaging and, and let people know about, if you enjoy this uh, podcast, let people know about it. There are a lot of ways to help. We appreciate your support and we will see you next week. All right, folks, that's it. This is the Church Politics Podcast. Have a blessed week. All right, y'all. Take care. Came out of Nazareth. This is the groove. Tell me, yeah. can you handle it? I'm scolding the ways of runaway slaves. I'm brave. I'm unchained. I'm Frederick Douglass with a They always told Will he was too short to play basketball, but Will never listened. Will let his work ethic do the talking for him, always in the gym, always running drills. Will knew where there was a will, there was a way, and he was Will. But then... After his second child was born, he realized the pros were all way better than him. So Will gave up and buried his high tops in a tearful ceremony. But one day, he heard that Geico could save him money on car insurance. So he switched and saved a bunch, which was awesome. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's largest mortgage lender. Spring is prime home buying season. So if you're thinking about buying a home, right now is the time to lock a low rate, which can save you money every month on your new mortgage. With our exclusive Rate Shield approval, the low rate you lock today is protected for up to 90 days while you shop for your new home. With a Rate Shield approval, if rates go up, your low rate stays locked. But if rates go down, you get that new, even lower rate. Either way, you win. 
Talk to us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com to take advantage. Here's another great reason to work with us. For a record nine years in a row, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. Again, to lock in today's low mortgage interest rate and get the security of our exclusive rate shield approval, call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. For J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. This episode was brought to you in part by the audio adventure series, Discovery Mountain. Help your kids fall in love with the Bible. Each true-to-life adventure story will draw them closer to Jesus. Visit discoverymountain.com CT.